Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today is the Feast of Pentecost, commonly called Whit Sunday in English tradition uh, because of the old custom of the newly baptized who were baptized at Easter wearing again for their last time their white baptismal garments. We didn't give you a heads up, it's okay. You're off the hook, no worries. But this was referred to by so many of the church fathers as this great festival day. It means so much theologically, ecclesiologically, anthropologically, anthropologically, nothing like starting a sermon off with six, seven syllable words to get everybody really engaged. Theologically today, we see that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit completes to us the revelation of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ecclesiologically, today is marked uh, the beginning of the church age, and anthropologically today, it's revealed that mankind is capable of bearing the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God himself. Human nature, now transformed by the Son of God, can bear the fiery presence of the Spirit of God. But it is the Spirit of God uh, who is not only operative in today's gospel and epistle passages, but highlighted, really, really highlighted for us. So let's examine today the lesson reading that we had from the Acts of the Apostles the account of the descent of the Spirit and focus on the actions of the Spirit in order to understand who he is and how he works. This is from the second chapter of Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What we need to know for context is that the Feast of Pentecost was a Jewish festival, a kind of first fruits festival with kind of an agricultural uh, character, sort of the first spring and summer uh, fruits. But its name, Pentecost, meaning 50th in Greek, marks what happened 50 days after the Hebrew Passover. According to Exodus 19, 50 days after the Hebrews escaped Egypt and traveled into the Sinai Peninsula, there Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. Moses went up to receive the law from God. This is what St. Leo the Great says about that. For as of old, when the Hebrew nation was released from the Egyptians, on the 50th day after sacrificing of the lamb, the law was given on Mount Sinai. So after the sufferings of Christ wherein the true Lamb of God was slain. On the 50th day from his resurrection, the Holy Ghost came down upon the apostles and the multitude of believers so that the earnest Christian may easily perceive that the beginnings of the Old Testament were preparatory to the beginnings of the new gospel and that the second covenant was rounded by the same spirit that had instituted the first. The church's Pentecost day as told in Acts, isn't just an arbitrarily new thing happening out of nowhere in isolation or without context. It's the work of the same Spirit who had worked since the foundation of the world. This is is a pattern repeating. This is God doing what God does, working in his narrative to complete something that he gave in part before 
and now making whole. So we also see from the reading that when the Spirit came, there came from heaven a sound. Now the origin of the sound of the Spirit is from heaven. We're Orthodox and we know this, that the Holy Spirit is God. But there have been plenty of heresies throughout the history of the church where people calling themselves Christians have rejected this dogma. Like there are the Arians who uh, made Christ less than the Father. So there were uh, Macedonians, the Macedonian heresy that made the Holy Spirit less than the Father and the Son. But the Holy Spirit came from heaven, the realm where God makes his throne, as the Vini Sancti Spiritus hymn that we just sang says, from thy celestial seat, heavenly seat. Because the Holy Spirit is co-equal in power and glory and eternity with the Father and the Son, the three persons being one God. That's why in the East, this is also uh, kind of doubles as the Feast of the Trinity. In the West, we take the time to celebrate Pentecost in its uh, historical liturgical character uniquely. And then next week, we have the Feast of Trinity. But I won't step on Father Ben's toes because that'll be his homily. But what makes the sound of the Spirit what it is? It's like a mighty rushing wind, Acts tells us. The Spirit throughout time has manifested as a mighty wind, a tempest, a great stormy dark cloud. There's something of the wildness, the power of God in this image, in this type of manifestation. Uh, but this is for our benefit, this particular manifestation. Again, from St. Leo, although, dearly beloved, the actual form of the thing done on the day of Pentecost, was exceeding wondrous, yet no one must think that this is his divine substance. For his nature, which is invisible and shared in common with the Father and the Son, showed the character of his gift and work by the outward sign that pleased him, but kept his essential property within his own Godhead. When God spoke to Job out of a whirlwind, or when Ezekiel saw a stormy wind that came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, or when Moses entered the thick cloud on Sinai, the Spirit of God was revealing something of his nature, but in a form which we could perceive, something we could speak of. But the essence of the Holy Spirit is ineffable. So when the occasion calls for it, the Spirit is loud, earth-shaking like a giant stormy wind. But equally, depending on the need, as St. Simeon the New Theologian points out, he comes quietly in the form of spiritual light and comes with all calm and joy. Like when Elijah needed to hear God for his particular purposes, a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Again, from our sequence hymn, what is rigid, gently bend. What is frozen, warmly tend. Speaking of warmth, so likewise when tongues of fire appeared before the disciples on Pentecost, this also was a manifestation of the Spirit for a particular purpose. Jesus promised that his followers would be baptized not with water only, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire in our imaginations today primarily and solely has the connotation of heat, burning, maybe destruction even. But for all of human history, until about 150 or so years ago, fire had an equally prominent association with light, because it was the only source of light, as the incandescent light bulb hadn't been invented yet. 
So this dual purpose of heat and light would fill the mind of everyone contemplating this particular manifestation of the Holy Spirit as fire. St. Paul in the letter of Hebrews writes that God is a consuming fire, burning up everything that is unfit for the kingdom of God. But this burning fire is selective, only consuming the evil, the unfit, the ungodly, and leaving what is fit, purified, and holy. This holy fire also illuminates, though, gives light, shining God's truth into darkness and giving brightness and luster to holy things. St. Cyril of Jerusalem said, They partook of fire, meaning the disciples on Pentecost, not of burning, but of saving fire, a fire which consumes the thorns of sin, but gives luster to the soul. This is now coming upon you also. He's uh, talking to the catechumens who are about to be chrismated. And that to strip away and consume your sins, which are like thorns, and to brighten yet more that precious possession of your souls and to give you grace. For he gave it to them, to the apostles then, and he sat upon them in the form of fiery tongues that they might crown themselves with new and spiritual diadems by fiery tongues upon their heads. A fiery sword barred the old gates of paradise. A fiery tongue brought salvation and restored the gift. We see that the Spirit, as St. Cyril just mentioned, rested or sat on them. So the fiery tongues divided and then rested on each of them. This is the same thing that the Holy Spirit does to Jesus at his baptism. According to John 1.33, the Lord had told John the Baptist that when he saw the Spirit of God descend and remain or rest on someone, this would be he who would baptize others with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit did descend in the form of a dove and remain on Jesus. This action of the Spirit resting, remaining, it evokes kind of the brooding of the Holy Spirit over the waters at the very beginning, like a mother dove imparting warmth, vital life on her young. This resting, brooding is for the purpose of growing something, bearing fruit. It's also for the purpose of sealing, as St. Paul says in Ephesians 1.13, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit rests on us, we're sealed with his purpose and mission. The Christ life is now sealed in us by the Holy Spirit, which is why in the Orthodox Church, as soon as we're brought out of the waters of baptism, having put on the flesh and life of Christ, we're then immediately sealed in chrismation with the Holy Spirit. And finally, we see the fiery tongues of the Spirit give the gift of different tongues to the disciples. This unifying gift reverses the curse of Babel when man tried reaching God's level in an unholy way. Now God comes to our level in order to raise us up to his. Gregory of Nancienzen says, As the old confusion of tongues was laudable when men who were of one language in wickedness and impiety, even as some now venture to be, were building the tower, for by the confusion of their language the unity of their intention was broken up and their undertaking destroyed. So much more worthy of praise is the present miraculous one. For being poured from one spirit upon many men, it brings them again into harmony. This good and proper now, um, in the unified life of the body of Christ, the church, St. Leo says, the spirit of truth blowing where he wills, the languages peculiar to each nation, now become the common property in the mouth of the church. So, the Spirit is violent cloud and wind, but is also still small, gentle voice. 
He's burning fire, but also giver of light. He rests on us, but in order to impart energy for us and growth so that we can be energized for the mission of the church to fill to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gives at his ascension. He confuses the tongues of the wicked, but unites the languages of the church. This is what we're celebrating today on Pentecost. O God, who is at this time didst teach the hearts of thy faithful people by the sending to them the light of thy Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort through the merits of Christ Jesus our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the same Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.